Psalms 44. to occupy it. For they did not conquer the land by their swords, and they did not prevail by their strength, but rather by your power and your strength and your good favor. Uh, for you are partial to us. What's it like to be picked or chosen? selected out like you are. You're my king and my God. Your decree of uh, Jacob's deliverance. By your power we will drive back our enemies and by your strength we will trample down our foes. I don't trust in my foes. I'm not going to prevail by a sword. You deliver us from our enemies. all day long. And I'm continually and I will continually give thanks to you. Say love. Rejected. 
that are God and spread out our hands in prayer to another God, would not you, God, would you not even discover it? For he knows one's thoughts. But yet, because of you, we've been killed all day long. Uh, we've been treated like sheep at the slaughtering block. I didn't want to read this, but the Lord told me to read this. He said, you read Psalms 44. I said, I don't want to read Psalms 44. You read Psalms 44. Rouse yourself, Lord, and listen, O God. Wake up. You can't reject us forever. Why you've been looking the other way, ignoring the way we've been oppressed and mistreated? in the dirt and our bellies have been pressed to the ground.
Yeah. 
but you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. And so is everyone born of the Spirit.
eyes our song and our heart in your goodness, oh God.
Well, the potential is in you, Lord. 
seventh day he rested from all of his work. In the seventh day is all the walls coming down. And I knew that I was Jericho. All the partitions and all the blocks shining in a murky place. And then the day began to dawn. And now the morning star rises. Light radiating from within. Light 
traveling faster than the speed of sound. Light indestructible. Light energy.
there's a food that Jesus ate of that we know not of, and he said that to these guys. When he says, I would come in and I will sup with you and you with me. You see, there's another. Well, it's on the other side of that door is the brightest of all light. And your sustenance and your, your food is light. You were made for this light. Your body was created for it. There's been an understanding in, uh, in people that, yes, for so many generations there's been people fell asleep in Christ, but there is a generation that will not see death. It says not everyone in 1 Corinthians 15 will fall asleep but will be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. And there's a generation that will not see death, but will be transfigured into glory. I believe we are that generation. And so we must cross through the door to eat from the bread of life who is life. James 1, he says, I am light. In me is no variable or shadow of turning. It's kind of like, it's like a door. He's knocking on That's inside. knocking on the door inside. How much we've been Jericho because we've done everything by what we can do. This invitation is an invitation. It's a what only he can do. It's an invitation. It's only what he can say. It's an invitation Sciences have not been able to discover that 95%. They call it the chunk DNA. It's anything but. It's the place of supping with God. And our human potential has only been vaguely realized. Maybe 5%. But if we will forevermore, like, open the door again, or let's just let it open. Let's blow the door off the hinges. Like, Tom, let's go get one of those nail punches and knock the, uh, what do you do, you know, when you knock the three pins out of the hinges? Like, why don't we take those three nails been paid for at the cross. Why don't we just go ahead and accept that this is the path and not be afraid? Why don't we why don't we delve into a into a place we've never been? Why don't we just trust a God that we've never seen? Why don't we just 
be brave enough and courageous enough to go there.
Thank God, instead of amen. <laughs> All right, good morning. Oh, boy. Last week, um, and I think I, I think I sent this out to, to, to everybody, but uh, standing up here in the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you. And he didn't say all my goodness. And then I said my goodness. Anyways. <laughs> but I, I found that later on, Nexus 33. I think it is 3319. You can check me on that. But um, uh, He had hit Moses in the cleft of the rock, and then he allows his goodness to pass in front of him. And um, while I was in that experience, and you heard me say this, but it was very profound for me personally. Uh, but he said this to me. He said, I'm moving from the infant to the infinite. And in that moment, I, I knew clearly that in our, uh, our even, in, even in the womb of our, our mother, wherever every one of us was born, right? <laughs> I was thinking, was everybody born? Yeah, everybody was <laughs> born in the womb of your mother. <laughs> we don't have any aliens here. <laughs> but there was, there was this moment when you came and the conception happens and 
and light broke forth in your conception that you you needed and I don't know to what at what point but you need nourishment like pretty pretty quickly and you, you need nutrients to actually grow and develop in the womb and that's that's all at least from creation all we've known primarily is that we have longed for that nourishment or that necessity of food and water it's been a you know a lot of ministries they let the service out at 12 30 you know why those people are hungry they used to like jingle their keys in my dad's congregation at 12 o'clock ching 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 it's sort of a you know hey i'm ready to go eat um, <laughs> all right speaking of eating food and water but you know in job 38 i think it's verse six or seven it's, it talks about when the sun uh, shouted is that right and this morning star i can't believe it's coming out of my mouth and the morning star sang together the sun shouted for joy right and the morning stars sang together. And maybe you've heard my podcast, Genesis Zero, but I, I deal with this in Genesis Zero. But a number of years ago, I said, Lord, I want to know what Job 38, verse 7, 6 or 7, right there. I want to know what that means. And I get a phone call that evening by a man, Danilo Castillo. Do you remember him? Yep. Okay, some of you do. But Danilo calls me and said, He's a Hispanic brother's brother. I want you to meet with me. Will you meet with me tomorrow? I said, Barnes and Noble over in Biltmore Park, I'll meet with you. So I sit down with Danilo Castillo and he's real like serious. And real like to the point about things of God. And he wants to he brought me like a manual one time on the fivefold ministry and like he he basically wanted to run me through a personal test on my fivefold ministry gift. And I didn't know that, and I just kind of obliged him. And then, anyways, it was just kind of funny. But anyways, Danilo that day, he looks at me, and he looks around like he's telling me a secret. He puts his hand like this, and, you know, he looks around. Like, I mean, like he's like a spy or something. And he says, Brother Carol, do you want to know what Job 38, verse 7 means? And I said, actually, I do. I asked the Lord yesterday. Asking you shall receive. Seeking you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. And and so he says, he looks around again like he's really like, you can't say this around normal people. <laughs> Which is probably true. And he says, uh, he says, brother, we were with him before time began we were with the father and we were sent into these bodies so that Jesus would be made the one be made triumphant because the father would send us down into these broken human frail bodies and he was going to do such a work of 
regeneration, uh, salvation, then regeneration and uh, multiply himself in us to such an extent that we would be transformed completely. And so uh, years ago, when MZ Hop began in earnest in 08, and I, I was sharing this with uh, Gus Vickery yesterday, but on the phone because we were talking about this. But I remember like one of my first sermons, I was like reading Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. And I was studying the, the two aspects of God's uh, will, that he has a will that he allows and then a will that he permits. And so that he'll, he'll permit some things that he doesn't allow or allow some things he doesn't permit. And that was very confusing for me. And I thought I'm going to get up to this small little congregation of less than 40 people and I'm going to preach the two opposing wills of God. Because we had, so many of us had been drawn to God's will like, oh, he's going to do everything good for us. But it was like, I have been experiencing a lot of suffering and I really couldn't understand how, how do you, like, I can't be a preacher of righteousness and not preach these two aspects of his will and just preach, oh man, I tell y'all what, if y'all come out and do something for Jesus, all you got to do is like, no, Jesus, everything's going to go good for you. <laughs> let's have a nice uh, time and clap your hands, do three points in a song, let's go home. That thing wasn't working out in my Christianity. And I thought, how am I going to pre be a preacher and preach that false message? Well, I'm sitting on the front of the, uh, the little group of people. I'm sitting up there. The Holy Spirit says to me, he says, you're going to call out three, three uh, sicknesses. or, And I said, he gives me like a, what is that, a word of knowledge? And he says, someone in here is going to get their hair back. Someone else in here is going to get a right rotator cuff restored. And another person's got severe problems in her abdomen. I'm going to heal them. And, uh, you know, I told this story before about I'm taking this into something today. Because i got to show this. I have to demonstrate this because... And I'm thinking, no, 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 man. There's less than 40 people here. I don't want to say that. If I'm wrong there, I'm going to stall me to death. You know, uh, because either you're like legit prophetic or you're not. But I know that there, I, don't get me wrong, I know there's some room. But for me, the way my dad raised me, it was like, you can't falsely prophesy something like that and get away with being wrong. You know, because either you're right, you've heard from the Lord, or you haven't. And that was kind of the raising I came up in. Don't don't say something that doesn't come from the Lord. Don't. And uh, my wife's big on that too. Like, hey, like, let's be exact. Don't ex don't elaborate things or over add things to it. Let's let's be integrous with our words. And I, I value that. And I valued it that morning when he said or that evening when he said that. So, anyways, I got up and I said it. Nothing happened. I preached my two opposing wills of God in John Calvin's Institutes. Everybody's looking at me like blanks there almost. And at the end of the service, an 84-year-old man, he's about this tall, comes up and his tears are pouring out of his eyes and he says, I have like severe, like he called it some kind of chronic disease in his stomach or whatever. He said, as soon as you said, I was instantly healed. He said, I've been back here crying the whole time. He's I, I've been so touched by the Lord. I, and the Lord had told me, the Holy Spirit told me to come over here. It's right over here at Mills River. 
over there at Rafa House. And Rafa means healing. But the Lord heals him. And then two weeks later, a lady comes, I got to talk to you, Carol. I had, went in the car after the meeting, and I hear this loud cracking noise. I had a complete frozen right shoulder. It pops and pops and pops, and she gets up, she testifies. And then, of course, I told you, 67-year-old Jerry and Allred, about two months later, has curly hair growing on her head that she always wanted since she was a little baby, you know, a little girl. But why don't you say that? I said that because the Lord tells me right after that, do not advertise. You know, the churches are doing good, but I don't hear about many miracles going on at all. And it, and I'm thinking, isn't this what you want us to do? Like, don't you want us to get people healed and saved? I mean, isn't that like, that's the next big move, right? I mean, is this not the next big thing? I mean, are, you know, aren't you? Is it like, aren't you going to do like Oral Roberts 2.0? <laughs> or, you know, Amy Simple McPherson 2.0? Or whatever, uh, Catherine Kuhlman or uh, another Benny Hinn 2.0? I mean, don't you have like a plan like this in, that that's your whole program? I thought it was your whole program. No. And it was so like, because if you ever spent long seasons of fasting and praying, FNPs. If you've ever done like long FaceTime with the Lord, if you've done that kind of thing and then you start to get some kind of external activity on it, you're like, I must be on to something. Like we, this thing's happening. And so it wasn't much longer from that, that and when the Lord says that, and I said, please like let us say this to people because uh, just not too long before that scene, a lady, a lady healed from lymphatic cancer, which I, I thought was impossible myself. Another lady healed from Crohn's disease. Another older couple healed from Parkinson's at, at 95. And I was thinking, this ministry is legit because we can demonstrate it. We have demonstrable proof that you exist. <laughs> like, I don't know, it's kind of funny now. Like he needed that. We can demonstrate you. <laughs> that I remember sitting at my desk and I mentioned this. And the Lord said, after standing up a 35-member leadership team, the expert staff and everything, thinking we're going to take the city. I'm not really like thinking, Lord, you're right serious about this miracle thing. I think I've definitely heard a demon telling me that but I'm really like fighting it because I know it's the Lord but he's like I don't want to do this this way anymore and I, I'm confused you don't want to do and I you know you heard my message a couple weeks ago uh, Tom was laughing off his seat almost you know all these things I had planned for God's people <laughs> I had planned you know and I thought was everything he wanted that that was what the purpose of and the Lord's like, no. It's important because the road that we're traveling down is, it's, it's special. It's different. Because while I sit there at my desk and I come into this like triple-proof encounter that I've lost my first love and the passion of just being with Him 
alone. I say, how in the world do you raise up your work like that? I don't understand. God takes me back to 08, or excuse me, 04, after we had left the Air Force, and he says to me when I saw this blue double helix thing coming out of my mouth, and he says uh, to me, I want to union myself with man. Now, I got to tell you, I have no idea what that means. And I mentioned this before that Henry Skugel, who wrote the work, The Life of God in the Soul of Man, he would take that, that pamphlet was given to Charles, by Charles Wesley to George Whitfield and started a great awakening. Because he said that it wasn't about this expert theology and getting our creedal doctrine down. And it wasn't about even ecstatic flights of the Spirit. Like where God would come in and the press of God would warm your heart and all that. He said it was God wanting to union himself with man. And they, they got a hold of that and awakening came out of that. And I think, I think that like at least today when we started, uh, Stephen says, uh, what, what do you think? And I said, I haven't even, I'm not even there. I'm not entered in. At, at first, I have not even entered in. I feel like we're just sort of beating the band, you know, waiting. And then I know, like, in a moment that our human, like, everything that we can bring to the table, to the extremity of everything that a man or woman could do, was infinitely inferior to him. I felt that today. He wanted me to feel it. I don't know if you did. But it feels so empty. And I, I'll tell you, one of the reasons why I believe a move like this has been so difficult for so many people, and like why a lot of people don't show up on it yet, is because, at least I can say this for me, I do not like the way that feels. And I do not like that exposure of there's nothing I can do to bring this about. And yet God would bring us to that place. That's the, the place of complete infancy. God would bring you to an utter sense of your dependency is the only way to translate or transfigure himself into you. Why? You know this. For no flesh, no flesh will glory in my presence. And yet, I find myself even at X2 M110. I got up here, I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, oh, I have to bring you to the end of what man can do. I have to. I can't even enter into what you can do. I, I, I can't be a part of it. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be a part of what of that. That's not my thing. And I know this may seem really simple and all. But even the idea of God giving and putting arms and legs back on people doesn't deal with the issue. Do you know why? Because you're still going to die. You're going to age out. And you know what? The Lord's finished with it. 
He's finished with the idea of just putting arms and legs back on people. Not that he won't do that or not that he won't heal the sick or the blind. He's done with it in this sense that here we are at the consummation of the ages. The Lord is ready to put an end to all this. I'm going to fix that next problem and that next problem and that next problem and that next problem. And, and hey, wouldn't you be glad to be done with that too? You ever had to like go fix the next thing that breaks every day? Doesn't it get old? But doesn't it get old to constantly have to pick up and constantly have to go make a repair on something that's broken? My, my little baby, he goes and hangs on cabinet doors and snaps them off. I just wanted the cabinet door to stay there for like two more weeks. Oh, no, what, they just threw something else down. Do you think the Father, who is so holy, don't you think that he would be like, you know what, enough's enough. I'm wanting to come in and clean house, but, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you've been a daddy, you come home and the house is destroyed, and you're just like, ah! you know. The Lord's like that to a whole nother level. He's like, I'm trying to come to my house, but I'm afraid if I come too close, I'm going to kill everybody. <laughs> it's like worse than getting mad. <laughs> everybody's dead. Dude, I've got to start over because <laughs> everybody's dead. You see his dilemma? God has it. Our father has this massive dilemma because if he comes too near too fast, we'll die. But he needs a people that are still alive who give up their complete lives to him that he can put his life into and will live for eternity. You see the difference? I need someone who can stay alive while I come near. There's the challenge of the Godhead. And so for many of you, it's been long seasons. There have been long, long years of the Lord coming near just a little bit. And then we're like, I feel bad. And he's like, that's me. I don't know. I felt really bad a lot of times. when, And he tells me, oh, I'm more near now than I've ever been. <laughs> and I feel terrible. He said, that's how much you're not like me. That's how selfish you are, whatever. That's, I mean, you know, the Lord, he'll just get right down to it. He just, he'll tell you the truth. He's really kind about it. But he just, like, gets down to the point. And so God's dilemma is, I want to come near, but if I come near, I, you may die. Because no one will see God's face and what? And yet, and yet, 2 Corinthians 4 is talking about, Paul's talking about, coming in the face of Jesus Christ. All right, I got I think I got a set up here. I read this um this is a forward by CP Snow out of a mathematician's apology. He said it's never worth a first class man's time to express a majority opinion. By definition there are plenty of others to do that. Hey, let me tell you, 
There has been so much dumbing down of what God is wanting to say and do within his house to placate to men's minds and reason and her ideas and to make them feel better. And it has been a travesty on the Christian church. And hey, let's not generalize everything, okay? Let's quit doing that. I I heard a lot of things, you know, and the Lord told me this. This last year, he's like, I, I didn't call you guys out to be, like, generalized. I called you a peculiar people. Yeah. I didn't call you like that. I didn't call you, uh, I called you with specificity. I called you with uh, particularity. Your society is playing, by the enemy, is playing a game against us to get us into, uh, well, just trying to make others feel good. And you can see how this plays out with, why the Lord would say, I don't want to just put arms and legs back on people. You're building works, and the works are being manifest in the earth that are placating to uh, your humanity when I am God. And I'm, I'm wanting to do something greater than just uh, heal and fix your felt needs. And yet most of what we spend our time doing and offended over or hurt over is felt needs. You didn't treat me good. I, mean, I feel like I've been done wrong. And uh, hey, I don't want to be offensive, but I may be because the Lord doesn't want this generality in your life. You are made uh, sui generis. Uh, Latin, you were created for uniqueness. You yourself in Christ in you. How can that be anything else but unique? And you know... Embrace the uniqueness of who God is in you. You're not going to be able to hide in the shadow. The law is the shadow. In Christ, this light that is breaking forth is not going to allow anything to be sort of dumbed down or put into some kind of categorization or subculture or subgroup, sub-sub-sub. I'll tell you who's in the sub-sub. The enemy is self. Read Moby Dick's extracts, the sub-sub librarian. That, that's, the, that's the Lucifer himself. He's mining underneath there trying to get us in some way to come into some kind of self-devaluation. This guy is being himself. Yeah, you know, last week Judah comes up to me. I'm like laid out and he says, Zach, Zach. And I said, Lord said, you hear what he's saying? And I was like, yes, he's saying exactly. And I was like, oh, I got you. And we have us a sui generis young man. Um, and so with that being said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 8, where's the text, Carol? Land the text. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Give me some text. Just give me conjecture. Give me text. Well, I agree with you. 1 Corinthians uh, 15.8. Let's, uh, let's go there. What happened, I got home last week, and uh, I remember reading this about Charles Spurgeon. He says what would happen with him is a text would light up to him. It's like the words would pop up off the page. And I'm sure this has happened to you as a believer. The text will manifest itself sort of like, it almost like gets life in it, and it just digs into you, and you're like, oh, I'm in the text. When that happened to me, I, I got home, I said, Lord, I don't understand again. 
And uh, I was thinking in this text. And so let's, um, we're going to hit 15.8, but let's, let's back it up to 15.1. Now I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you that you received and on which you stand. On which you what? Stand. On which you what? Stand. Not on which you sit on your laurels. Okay. <laughs> But on the one you stand on, this is what this preaching of the gospel is for, is to bring you into a position of standing. And, of course, uh, we know that because of a number of weeks ago, we were there with Stephen. And Stephen, in the demonstration of the preaching of the cross and the preaching of Christ, is standing there while he's uh, coming under severe suffering that's going to take his life. And he beholds what? Uh, the Lord what? Stand. Stand, standing. And so, the reason why this gospel is being preached this way, uh, he's saying, is so that you've received a message on which you stand. And in your standing, you're being saved. Uh, this is important because if we get into that mode of, help me, poor me, I'm not going to make it, I need an arm, I need a leg, whatever, I need an ear, Malchus... Somebody cut my ear off. Whatever. I need something. I need something. I need something. That's not this thing that he's saying standing. He's saying that the gospel I preach that you stand on while being saved. You know, what I've noticed is you get set back. And you know what I mean by this. I don't mean you have to walk around standing all the time. There's something in you, in him, that stands up. You experienced it this morning. You, you'll feel it when the worship comes on or when the life of God comes into your being. You'll feel this. Uh, you're standing up on the inside because you're believing. And it's in that standing that you are being saved. What's implied there? That if I'm in my circumstances and my felt needs and, and I, I'm living in that mode... Maybe my sanctification is being put on hold. When I'm living according to the law or living to it according to my own mind, and I'm not uh, like Ann Nolan, I went to visit with him. She says, I'm, I'm standing on my footstool, Carol. And things are trying to knock me off. And judgments come. Judgments internal, judgments external. They're trying to move you out of a place of standing. A place of courage, a place of fire resolve, a place that's not mealy mouth, a place that's just life of God flowing through your mortal being. And he says now, in this standing, you are being saved. Sanctification is at work. The Lord is seen to a transfiguration in us. It comes from a place of standing while being saved. Also, if you hold firmly to the message being preached to you, don't let the enemy come and rob the seed that is being installed into your heart even to this day to try to take you back down into circumstantial data of felt need, pummeling you with all these problems and situations until inside of your heart you stand up. He says it, Peter was saying it, it was murky. Then it, the day dawned. Until the morning star rose inside their hearts. Until fire was burning hot in them. Don't, don't, 
give in to a mindset of circumstantial data that takes you into a position of not seatedness in Christ, but seated in your problem. Don't you dare give in to that. You fight it tooth and nail. No arm, you know. What is that, Monty Python? <laughs> I'll have a leg, I'll have an arm, I'll have a left, uh, right eye. See, you know, I, but I'm coming, man. <laughs> I'm going to do this thing. I'll bite you. I'll bite you. <laughs> I'm not going to let, I'm no. He says, hold firmly to the message preached to you unless you believed what? And I, I think that this is, I think this is what? I believed in vain. Oh man, this is not easy, man, because you get punched, you get hit, you get pummeled, you're going through something. Somebody doesn't understand you, somebody says something off to you, somebody does something wrong to you. You do something wrong. You don't like yourself. Whatever, it's a thousand different things, is it not? Now, I'm here to encourage you that this uh, preaching that he's saying here in Corinthians is not to be in vain because that is what you'll feel. I know this because I am a preacher, but I have experienced this feeling that, what am I doing? I have literally like lost my ever-living mind and went over the edge 1,800 times. What am I doing? And, and when you're down in those circumstances, that gets into your mind. Does it not? Or is that just me? I was pushing into a territory. I didn't know what it was, and I don't know what's going on, and I feel uncomfortable. And he wants us to know in the text that this life that you're going for in God is not in vain. It's not the vanity, actually, that we have all been partnering with in the work of our hands most yeah. of the time. Yeah. That's vanity. What you're doing right now and what you've done today and what you'll do this evening and what you'll do this week when you let your whole soul go in to worship Him, that is not vanity. And again, that's why the world would never be able to watch any kind of awakening off of uh, arms and legs. Maybe He's wanting to take off some of them. Because <laughs> He said, I can't dwell in temples made with man's hands. Yep. Smack! He's a pluck out your eye, <laughs> you know, cut off your hand. I mean, I can't get anything done with y'all because y'all are always trying to do it. I wanted to live my life in you and do it through you. So he says, "I passed on to you this first importance, which I also received. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures." And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at one time. Most of whom are still alive through, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. I don't know if you notice this in the text there, but three times appearance has been used. After, after Jesus was resurrected, remember, he comes for a period of days, right? Was it 40? And he makes these appearances. I want to suggest to you, and I believe he's shared this with me over the last 40 weeks, even of uh, what we've been through. There was X to M93, Fino, 
I remember Klesa coming around the corner, new baby Gideon. Austin burst into tears, did you not? Something like erupted in our meeting right when you come around that corner. And the Lord tells me, he said, I'm making an appearance. Uh, phino is the Greek word that deals with theophany or uh, epiphany. He said, I'm going to make an appearance here. I've come to heal pain. Um, actually, classic, your name means pain, right? And the Lord said, I want to come and take, I want to come and take your pains and your hurts. I want to set up a the next week perpetuity of love in your heart. I want there to be a constant recourse between me and you. This is a new, this is a new moment. And we had that X2M 93. We get X2M 97 Fenero. Is it means is this idea of the manifestation of something out of the face. You know, I remember, I think it was 97. I mean, I remember Fenero, and he's like, I remember feeling like I can't get up in the worship. And he's like, stand up and look at me. And so another appearance of who he was, another aspect. And then we got to Provino, and that word means to go a little further in and see. And uh, you heard that, those messages. It was another appearance uh, last week, another appearance. I'm going to cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And so what I began to find out was the way that the Lord is working in the, in the church is he's coming to come near to appear to us with particular aspects and attributes of, of, of who he is. He's coming to make an appearance like he did after resurrection. He's, he's, you know, appearance, when the word comes to appear to you, it is not just like an intellectual vision. It's not like, okay, I, I, I literally see him. It's like something has moved onto your soul. It, this is the way that I, 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 it's taken me some real understanding to understand this. But he's like, when I come to appear to you, I'm manifesting my, that aspect of myself in you to restore what was lacking about myself in you. I do the best I can with that, but it was like the image has been broken in us, and so when God comes to appear, He's restoring the image inside. The proper image inside of you is this full Christology. That I've been preaching of a full ten-part aspect of who He is in you. So that, because, why? So He can not just relate to you, but he can give you his own divine nature. And so he was making these appearances to his guys. And, and uh, Paul is using this as a foundation upon which he's going to lay in this uh, text that he gives them in the text by which I'm preaching today. And then what happened to me last week was he... Just blows 1 Corinthians 15, 8 into my consciousness. And I cannot get off of it all week. And I knew that it was for us today. So after all this uh, appearing that he does to Cephas, the 12, the 500, he says, Then he, last of all. Now I looked it up in the Greek. The word there, last of all, is eschaton. 
Last of all, as though I was one born in the wrong time, he appeared to me also. I, uh, I went in and I, I began to look at this because it was just like in my face. Like, what are you saying, Lord? He said, I'm, I'm using Paul here. He's going to preach this message for an end time church. I'm going to uh, bury this gospel mystery message into Paul's letters of which we are extracting out now in the end of the age. And I'm going to expose this message in the end times, the eschaton. I'm going to bring it out as one that seems to be untimely born. I'm going to bring it, and I'm going to have to preach now because I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm going to bring something outside of space-time that's built outside of time and bring it into time at the end of the age called the consummation of the ages, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm going to take a man who speaks of himself this way, and this is going to maybe bring you to tears. It brought me to tears. By Robert Jameson Fawcett and Brown, writing out of the man born out of time. The Greek is the one who is abortively born. That's the Greek. The, the Greek understanding is... I am the abortion of the family of the apostles. What Paul was effectively saying is, I'm a child born before time that is so puny, so frail, barely born alive. If we were to understand it, he would have been the guy that they had in uh, the incubator, uh, like dad, right? For how many weeks? Eight weeks incubation. Barely like, just a barely little thing there. Just enough of, just enough of a human being to just barely be alive. I'm, he says, I'm, I'm so much like that. I'm not superior in any way. I'm so frail and weak that I view myself as the least, if, if not that I am the least of all the apostles. The last shall be first. Yeah. <laughs> if we're in the eschaton, and I believe that we are in the, we're coming to the consummation of the ages. I, the Lord told me I built this ministry. As a transition ministry into the uh, millennial reign. He told me that at SDA Arden 11 years ago. I preached it. I didn't know what I was talking about. He said, I'm going to install an MZ DNA back then. I have it all written up and documented. I had no idea what I was talking about. And I tell you, like, anybody, anybody would fight or not want to be viewed as the one abortively born. Maybe not wanted. Maybe comes into this life barely, barely subsisting. Just has enough of the basic structure of the DNA just barely to make it. I mean, just barely. 
Paul's saying, I'm that man. And I, I don't know, like, I, I say, Lord, why are you bringing this to me? Why today? I'm not building movements out of human strength and human ingenuity. And I'm not going to awaken a galactic progeny out of your ability or Paul's or any of ours. I'm going to wake up something that could have scarcely ever made it. I'm going to put in all the objections. I'm going to make it where it couldn't even possibly even survive. So that I'll be and receive all the glory. It won't be said about you or anyone else that you did something. It'll be to the praise and the glory of me. There's no flesh still glory in my presence. I mean, how many times have you felt it? Have you felt that the work was in vain and that it did feel like it's going to abort? I don't know how many times I thought, am I going to have to press the red button? <laughs> abort! Abort! I mean, this ministry, I, I don't know. I was like, this has to be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It always feels like you're going up to push the red button. It's not going to make it, Lord. It can't sustain. Uh, it'll run out. It, it's, it's running. It's limping off of nothing. It's limping off of nothing, but wait a minute. It's limping off of zero. I think the Lord would say yes, and I kind of like Christopher Robbins, that the very best of something comes from nothing. I mean, hey, Paul's like, look, guys, I'm serious. Like, this guy is amazing. We all know that. But he's looking at himself thinking, you have no idea. I am nothing. It's like he had a revelation. And in the eschaton, this revelation, apparently, something to which so many men and women have shied away from, would be the very thing that God would have us run into. You're going to hear it next week while Nathan and I stand up and talk about kenosis and the self-emptying nature that Christ decided to go to, who now is crowned in glory. And then again, we are fooling ourselves in the church thinking that if Jesus wasn't going to run it to empty or run it to zero, Fooling ourselves thinking we can live a different kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. If he himself did not live that life. Um, Paul was saying that I'm redundant. I'm an add-on. The, the apostolic team, they were all like hanging out with the Lord. They like had the whole thing coming to them. They had him. I'm like a redundant add-on. I, I don't know <laughs> the way he views himself. I'm beyond the number. It's, it's called supernumerary. Listen to this. It's the idea of an actor appearing on a stage but not speaking. And man, the Lord did that to Paul. Throw him right into prison. So he could get him writing. He's taking him to the College of Apostles, not 
out of the regular course, not led to Christ by a long instruction like a natural birth, but a sudden power as those prematurely born. Compare the similar image of childbirth and by the same spiritual power, the resurrection of Christ. Begotten again by the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' appearance on the way to by Paul on the way to Damascus is the one that is being referred to here. I asked the Lord like this week, I said, what's going on? And he says, well, how have you learned that I introduced new genetic code? And I said, well, I remember the, the movie, uh, I don't know if y'all know this movie, but I, it came to my mind while I was standing in the shower, Born Legacy. And in the film, there's a grunt soldier, and he's he basically is selected for project outcome. And he's given by the government uh, the, this blue and green pill. And one of them makes him like super intelligent and the other one makes him like super strong. And I remember I was, like I said, I sat in a shower, I feel terrible and I'm like, and the word's like, well, how do I introduce new genetic material? And I said, buy a virus. No, this is just, this is just, whatever, people are getting sick. He's like, no, have you ever had your whole family sick before like this? I said, no, not all eight of us. He said, right, he said, uh, and this could be attested for, but in the film, what they have to do, what they find out is he's basically needs these pills to maintain this superhuman and super intellect and so they're they keep giving them to him but he he runs into a problem because he can run out of them or not get them and it diminishes his whole cognitive ability he goes back to like 80 iq or you know physical diminishment and he needs it just to survive because of the field he's in and so he comes and meets uh, i think her name was marta shearing and she's the the scientist that can help him basically get off of these blue and green pills. And so she says something to him that what we're gonna to have to do is viral you off. And so the agents from the, so I'll read this now, to viral off the agents from the pills meant to end their dependency on the green and the blue pills. This was done by, listen to this, inserting a live virus stem from which the pills were made. The Lord hasn't wanted like like I said, he, he hasn't wanted something that has just been arms and legs just to keep you on a blue and green option. He wants to put inside of us his own DNA, get it installed in us in such a way that, in, in this sense, you can viral off of all this self-help stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Always looking for another circumstantial fix. Always, how are we going to deliver on this? How I, I want to fix this for you. I want to do. I want to do something better for you. I want to put myself in you. I want to put my my stem cell, my pluripotency. I want to give you the original design of me and you. Uh, you know, sometimes we as preachers, we got to find words like, I'm going to help you give an illustration to them so they can understand. 
why I've not just been wanting to do self-help and, and do all this stuff with the church, and that's not been my thing. Why I really wanted to come in and stop the human condition issue. Unto even beyond your own human condition into glorification. I want to transfigure you and glorify you. I want to step it up into a place you... Only Enoch, Elijah got caught up. Enoch got transfigured, the Lord. So a very, very small percentage of people experience what we're talking about. While being alive, transfigured, glorification. I can go down into the even what Paul was saying, like an aborted fetus. I can take just the base structure that I created down to something that hasn't even like evolved in with education and family and all that. I can get down to that level and I can insert myself into that by light and cause a complete transformation. Why is this important? Because we thought as God's people that the Lord's just going to throw this whole body on the trash heap. And, and we've disparaged our humanity to some extent and not thought much about it. And that the Lord saw within us when he made you that it is good. And that he can take the body you have right now and transfigure it and glorify it. And that you don't have to die. So, so he wants to insert the live virus. So he can put the double helix into you. So he can begin the process by that double helix of sending light into you to transform you, transfigure you, prepare you for a glorified humanity. I think that's, the Nolans are with us. 80, 84 years old, shine like the stars. Every time I hug Richard Nolan, I'm like, it's like beast mode. It's like as strong as an ox. Every week she smiles at me and it just touches me. She's got the coolest haircut. Like for a, for a couple that are in their 80s, are the coolest people. And the most godly, loving people shining. What God has planned for us. That we didn't have to give up. To get into some kind of old thing. I give up. I'm just getting old. I'm going to die. Yeah. When the Lord meant to transform us, take what is there, use it for His glory, transform us, transfigure us into something so far beyond. I, I want to send my uncreated light out of you and transfigure you. I don't, I don't want you taking blues and greens. I wanted to borrow you off and give you me. So now the pills that have altered genetic structure and changes to the physiology are permanent. No more temporality, but permanency. A permanent indwelling place where God can rest. This is what David was after. He was after that God wanted a permanent place to dwell. Uh, so now we have a deliberate modification of the organism by taking the genetic material and transfiguring that genetic, uh, genetic material, recoding it with Christ by energy of light or light transformed into energy to transform your mortal body and prepare you for immortality.
There's different ways to introduce chromosomal changes to affect your genomics. But what I've read, it's best to hijack a virus, put in what you want, and use it as your delivery system. This gets back to the two opposing wills of God. We've looked sometimes at our suffering and we didn't realize that that virus was the loading mechanism. Some of what you've been through and, and what Paul's been through and what we've been going through was God's avenue to load himself into you. And we've been rebuking the devil. And the Lord's like, you're rebuking me. The Satan's on a chain. <laughs> I run that dog. I run him because I'm in charge of everything. Hey, Job. Hey, have you considered that guy? I want to put myself in that man. That man's a righteous man, yes, but I want to upgrade his human potentiality. Potentiality. Viral vector gene therapies use modified viruses as drug delivery vehicles to introduce specific DNA sequences encoding genes, regulatory RNAs, or other therapeutic substrates into the cells. This technology has drawn interest for its potential and advantages over traditional church modality. <laughs> what? The traditional church was never going to do this. The traditional modality is never going to work. So you needed a virus. A lot of genetic material. We've been looking at the suffering and being like, he doesn't care. And the Lord's like, no, I'm trying to come near. Listen, I want to be as close to you as possible. Don't confuse what I'm doing. It's so crazy how you can be going. I know y'all know this. You can be going through something circumstantially very difficult. And if you step into worship, it's like, what am I upset about? Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah. It's happened to everybody here. What am I upset you could be like lost an arm, lost a leg. I have him. I'm fine. I, I, I don't even need one. <laughs> right? It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> and so now we can see clearly that the Lord will send a load of double helix. Now I'm going to pray for you today. I'm just going to take my vision I had 18 years ago. I'm going to pray over you today that you'll be loaded when uh, we come to the end of our uh, our series here. I said, Lord, I can't see a virus. Or I said, I can't see the double helix. He said, you can't see a virus either, can you? I mean, you can't without an electron microscope or something. He said, who says this isn't real? Have I not led all of you every step of the way? Have I not been leading you? I'm the one that's doing this. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, no one could have come up. It's, it's ingenious what he's done. Nobody could do that. Nobody has a mind that bright. Nobody does. So the Lord's been leading us up to a point. What a, a culminating point. A consummation point. What? Let the double healings come out. And that you would receive and we would receive in all the fullness of God uh, today. 
Just let the double helix just come into you and let it begin to go ahead and work. And let it begin to uh, change your DNA structure. And let the RNA that replicates out of the DNA uh, cause a new expression of Christ that you love as Lord. Dad, when you laid in that incubator, God saw you. And I love you so much. Because if any man I've ever known has suffered, it's my daddy. Worse than anybody I've ever known. And he is alive and well today and turned 70 years old tomorrow. And even like Paul, who was just barely there. My dad is left seed. And today I honor you, Dad. Of God's work in your life. And just who you are.
greater radiation of light. That you won't be sweating it in your bed over your children, but you believe with me and that this life is in you will transmit life onto your babies and your babies' babies. This is what the Lord loves. He loves family. And he loves the outcast brought into family. And he loves the widow and the brokenhearted that he loves so much. And he's provided everything that we needed. He's provided himself. Again, we've been Jericho. Not anymore. It's over. Let's come up for a communion. is grass or it's like grass 
and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers will fade, but what? God's word will last forever. Why, why wouldn't God, why would God just choose to repair outward things? When he would give you everything of himself inside. Yeah. He had such a greater vision uh, for humanity. He had such a greater picture in mind when he made us. He had such a greater idea. And he has that great idea with you right now. You are and who he is in you. Hey, receive the engrafted word. Uh, like, take a deep breath. chapter 22 verse 16 Jesus says says uh, he said I am the root of the offspring of David uh, I am the bright and morning star I asked the Lord I, I've been asking I said we're going to be changing from here you know over the seventh day Adventist into the seventh day Advent second coming The Lord said to me, he said, this season that we've been in has been characterized for 40 weeks, has been characterized by I am the root and the offspring of David. He said, your next season will be characterized by I am the bright and morning star. That will be your new season that you will transition into. Everything in the root is unseen. The offspring begins to show up, and it isn't seen quite as much, but it begins to come out of the ground. The bright and morning star is seen. He said, you're going to move from the microscope to the telescope. <laughs> you're going to move from being unseen to seen. Everything's about to change for us. We're going to move from six days of what? was created to one who is uncreated in the seventh day. We're moving out of work into rest. As a first fruits company, the first fruits company of tabernacles in the seventh day unto a thousand year reign. A thousand year reign in the millennial reign, which is the seven thousandth year. We will be transitioned by life. Our events that will be forthcoming. He told me I'm going to come to you in light. I'm going to begin to manifest more and more light into your inner being. I'm going to manifest into each one of you. And I'm going to begin to express my light into your being. I'm going to begin a process of transfiguration on you. I'm going to transfigure you. Then I'm going to glorify you. 
the season that we're headed into, we've never been into. The apostles, three of them, they beheld him. They saw him. And they wanted to build something. Or one of them did. We can say like Peter as we will, it has been good for us to be in the house of the Lord. But he says, the Father says out of the heavens, this is my beloved Son, hear ye him. Whatever he says goes. Whatever technique he has or technology he utilizes, that's his business. That's where we're headed. He promised me I'm going to put light on my people. A light like you've never known. I'm going to put light into my people. You're going to experience an experience with him you've never experienced before. Out of the realm of rest, out of the realm of the seventh day, out of the glory cloud. In the word, he took the bread, broke it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Next week, meeting time change. It'll be 10 o'clock. Uh, but we will start the meeting at 10.30. The series we're going into is called Star Child. And so that's uh, we'll be launching into that. But if, you would, if you'd like to volunteer or help with just getting a couple trailers there. It, it may not be long-term volunteer, but we need some help to just get started this week. And we'll uh, we'll start setting up, and then we will start promptly at 10.30. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you experience peace. Amen. Bless you today.
Oh, and he said he'd come. 